This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Again, my beautiful screamers, happy holidays, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 327, and tonight it's the mildly inappropriate holiday party because we are talking about a movie that's not quite a horror movie and it's not quite a Christmas movie either. What movie is it, Patrick? Well, we're talking about the 1980 mystery spoof. The Private Eyes, starring Don Knotts and Tim Conway. And not only are we going to be donning our gay apparel, we're reuniting the gay glee team. That's right, my special guests are my butch and manly co-host from Damiwonka Lewis, Mr. Trey Dean, and everyone's favorite Freddy cat, Doug Shapiro. Together, the three of us are not just going to make your season bright, we're going to make your season sizzle. But before we go a step further, before we get the holiday ho-hos out and start jingling them balls, bells, balls, bells, both, whatever, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I have been your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But, my little sugar plum fairies, you are going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Ho-ho-ho. Ho-ho-ho. So before we kick things off, I would like to take a moment to apologize that this episode is a few days late. It was unavoidable, unfortunately, for a few reasons. First of all, I took a class that took all day on. I had a seminar that took I took a seminar that took all day on Tuesday and then Thursday. I had a doctor's appointment because I'm getting surgery next month and I had to do the pre. I had to go for a preliminary appointment and it was a whole big deal. And. This episode was supposed to be easy. This was supposed to be a simple comedy movie to talk about. It's very simple. It's a very, but it turns out this was an editing nightmare. I mean, pleasure, absolute pleasure. And there were so many special effects and so many different references. It just has been taking a very long time to put together. And I don't want to rush it. I want it to be perfect because the Glee team is back together. And I don't want to ruin Christmas by putting out a shoddy show. So thank you for your together. The three of us are not just going to make your season bright. We're going to make your seasons. Who better to solve England's most puzzling mystery than these two international crime busters? Yes? Good day. I'm Inspector Winship, and this is my assistant, Dr. Tart. For the law and the order. Gathering vital clues from every available source. Step-by-step, Tim Conway and Don Knotts prove murder can be deadly in the private eyes. Who will be the next victim? Got that message. Better send it off to the yard and let them know we're here. I suspect that they would like to see me dead. Well, you can relax now that we're here. 
Danger is their constant companion. Fear is an unknown factor. Dark! These people are dropping like flies. Don't you people realize that you're next unless we get to the bottom of this? Tea isn't supposed to foam. Stir it. These great sleuths, given the clue, come up with the perfect solution. Hey, we must be We have among us a murderer. And that killer is right here in this room. All right, hold right there. Gun, a gun, give me your gun. Tim Conway is the dim-witted Dr. Todd. And Don Knotts is the inept Inspector Winship. In, oh my gosh, the private eye. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Happy holidays to you all. I'm so glad that you could all join me for this mildly inappropriate holiday party. Hooray. Anyway, kids, I'm just kidding. I am happy here. I'm happy here for the mildly inappropriate holiday party. But you know who I'm really happy about being here? I've got two fabulous guests returning. They haven't been back on the show together for a long time. It's a fantastic little devil's triangle of an orgy happening right here tonight. It's the unholy trinity of gayness, and uh, they're going to happen all up in your ear holes. So, first of all, he is a multi-talented performer who is currently starring in Bible the Musical. It turns out that Chico and the Man was actually really about him. And while he may be everybody's favorite Freddy cat, he's my favorite decayed old sissy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome back to Scream Queens, the fabulous Mr. Doug Shapiro. Since I've been gone, I've met you since the last time. It has been so long, Doug. It has been so long. They've been dying for you. It's true. Don't die, people. The wait's going to be so worth it. We're talking about the Tim Conway, who I love. Are we? I hope so. Did you watch the wrong movie, Doug? Oh. I'm supposed to watch the Hall & Oaks documentary. Don't. Oh, how delicious that Private Eyes, the Hall & Oaks story. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You're <laughs> on. You know what? You know what? It's great talking to you, Doug, but I'm bored with you already. I need another one to join this party. So... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of my jeans, wherever you may be, you will know him because he is that no-nonsense Texan who is also my fellow co-host over at Damn You, Uncle Lewis. He's never met a vegetable he doesn't like because he's never actually met a vegetable. And for 25 years, he's been the reigning charo impersonator of Houston. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Mr. Trading! Hola, amigos. Hello, Trey. How are hey, you? Pretty good. How y'all doing? I'm fabulous. Thank you. And you know, you think of you think of kidding, but Trey doesn't know this. But on 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 sites where he hasn't sent me his bio or didn't update things in time, I have a picture of Charo instead of Trey. <laughs> I'm keeping it that way. You ain't getting nothing now. Podchaser.com has definitely got a picture of Trey. A picture of Charo, rather, for every time you've guessed it on the show. Private Eyes is starring Trey, and he's playing Charo Iguchi. That's the, that's the movie twist. That's the movie twist. It was that's Charo. That's the movie I want to see. Oh. 
<laughs> Char would work eyes. in any role in this movie. I am so t- oh gosh, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. And it would still be just as offensive to everybody. It would be just as offensive to everybody. So the movie that we are here to talk about tonight is a little ditty from 1980 that used to run on HBO four times a day, every day for about 650 years. And as a, for a budding horror enthusiast, it was I watched it every damn time it was on. I thought it was hilarious at the time. I haven't seen it since, and it was time to revisit it. And oh boy, here we are. We're talking about the 1980 film starring Tim Conway and sex demon Don Knotts, <laughs> The Private Eyes. Delicious. Hey, Mr. Furley looking good. <laughs> Greetings, you pathetic, sweaty ball sack of losers. Otherwise known as the Scream Queen's audience, it is I, Flem. Flem the Argoyer. I am editing this episode, and I have to step in for a minute here. Because, for those of you who do not know who Maya Murphy is or what her scrunchy face is all about. If you are listening to Damien Wonka Lewis, you know the Friday the 13th the series podcast that we do over on Patreon, every time Patrick and Trey say something really stupid or weird or dumb or stupid or crazy or ugly or gross, Maya Murphy's face, she's the other host, her face scrunches down into this little teeny tiny scrunchy face ball. Doug is making that face right now. So Doug has Maya Murphy's balls on his face right now. Back to the show. So, Doug, you had not seen this before, right? This is your first voyage? I had not seen it before. Somehow I missed it, even with all the HBO reruns. Well, it was very scary. You probably saw the, 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 the poster in the, in the guide. And be like, oh, no, that's too my, 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 my delicate sensibilities. <laughs> it's true. Let me go back to uh, unicorns and rainbows. I don't, I don't have any aesthetic distance yet. It'll okay, Doug. It'll grow in later, but it, wasn't, it never did. I was terrified of the did. Vincent Price episode on the Muppets. Well, that one was scary, wasn't it? Wasn't there somebody murdering? No, there was the Liza Minnelli people where, where there was somebody murdering Muppets backstage. <laughs> Hi, Trey. How you doing? Hey, Have you seen this before? I saw the theater when it first came out. Oh, that's right. You actually own this, don't you? That's right. That's right. It's all coming back to me. When I, when I posted that I had watched this ages ago, Trey was like, oh, my God, you got to cover that on the show. I was like, okay, down, girl. Yeah. Down. Yeah. It, it's, I loved it as a kid. Um, we'll see what we feel about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Mickey. Mickey, the dog's in the background. Hi, Mickey. He's so fine. He is. He's so fine. He, he really does blow my mind. He blows and, my mind. Hey, Mickey. He really does it. On Damien Wanka Lewis, he shows up his asshole every now and then, too, which is great. <laughs> if you're lucky. Who doesn't, Patrick? Honestly. It's a wild show. Liza Minnelli, I'll be <laughs> Isn't this why I bought Ask Him? I bought the DVD on a whim ages ago just because I said, you know what? This might be a good movie for the show, and it would be fun to revisit it. And, man, it's not awful. But it doesn't age well. No, it does not. <laughs> you could edit it together into a good 30-minute movie. Watching it from 2021 eyes was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But there are a few things that save it. The first time I watched it, I hated it. And then everybody was jumping on me going, oh, my God, you got to cover this movie. Trey, I'm looking at you. It's all your fault that we're doing it right now. Ah. I said, okay, I resolve myself. They want to watch this movie. We'll watch this movie. But in the, in the past week that I've seen it a few more times, it's grown on me. Again, there's actually a nice dry humor going on underneath everything yeah. that's very funny. And as I said to the boys before we started, I found a new way to watch it, a new way to approach watching it that changed everything for me. And it's very, very on brand. But before we do that, Doug. Yes? You've been gone for a really, really long time. So I think you need to pay your dues again. So we need to play a little game. Doug, I need you to give me a nice, tight 30-second back of the DVD plot summary of The Private Eye starring Don Knotts and Tim Conway. And the clock starts now! 
Oh, fantastic, because you know how good I am at that. Um, Don Knotts, Tim Conway are playing an inspector and a professor who are sent to investigate a murder of a lord and a lady and investigating all the staff who end up getting picked off one by one, and there's a dog for no reason. How'd I do? Trey. Is there anything you want to add to that description? What could you possibly I can add? add to that. It's wonderful. It's a perfect description. It's a simple plot. It's a classic plot. Oh, my God. This is the first time I won. <laughs> oh, calm down now. I'm about to win. I'm about to, I'm about to steal. The circle's going to get the square right about now. It's your damn show. Because I realized that the movie gets a lot better if you approach it that Tim Conway and Don Knotts are a longtime married gay couple. <laughs> I, All right. Makes perfect sense. Yep, yep. The way they squabble and snipe at each other, the whole movie, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. You know what I think? I think there's someone here who doesn't want anyone to know that there's someone here who might be someone that's a killer. You know what I think? For a short person, you have long sentences. But wait, I found a way to make the movie even gayer, but that's for after. Oh. That's for after. We can't shoot our load right up front now, can we? No, we can't. <laughs> well... Well, we could. It depends on the dating <laughs> side, I guess. Uh, then what we do, though, then we really tired the rest of the episode. Where would it come from? <laughs> Trey, Doug's face just squished up into a Maya Murphy face for a second. <laughs> Greetings, you pathetic, sweaty ball sack of losers. Otherwise known as the Scream Queen's audience, it is I, Flem. Flem the Argoyle. I am editing this episode, and I have to step in for a minute here. Because, for those of you who do not know... Who Maya Murphy is or what her scrunchy face is all about. If you are listening to Damn You, Uncle Lewis, you know, the Friday the 13th the series podcast that we do over on Patreon. Every time Patrick and Trey say something really stupid or weird or dumb or stupid or crazy or ugly or gross, Maya Murphy's face, she's the other host. Her face scrunches down into this little teeny tiny scrunchy face ball. Doug is making that face right now. So Doug has Maya Murphy's balls on his face right now. Back to the show. While he was contemplating uh-huh. whether or not it's still okay to shoot your load up front, he's like, is it not okay? I'm like, well, it comes from the front, but can is it like a vertebrae <laughs> thing? Is it a... He's talking about the direction to or the direction from, and I'm just like, and okay, you guys are doing the show. Okay, gang, gang, and I'm gong, like, oh? gong, <laughs> gong. J.P. Morgan, why did you Doug, why did you gong Trey Shapiro, whoever you are? I don't know anybody's name anymore. Speaking of gong, random gongs throughout this movie, random lightning and thunder when there's no yes. rain, random laughter. <laughs> that's the thing. That's because it's it's making fun of something very specific, those old dark house movies of the 1930s and 40s, and that's exactly how they were. Yes. So they nailed yeah. a lot of this. Uh, the other thing, one of the things I think that is fun about this movie, as, as I'm watching it now, well, not so much fun, but... It adds some insight and it's going to add some, some of my backstory later. Is that the entire movie was filmed at the Biltmore House in South Carolina? Yeah. I read something about that. I was like, South Carolina. Right, right. What do you mean the movie lied? We're not really in Jolly Old England? Yeah, man, Trey, we lied. The movie lied. The movie lied. But. Actually, you told me that the accents weren't real. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> but Bradford was obsessed with the Biltmore House in South Carolina. Yeah, that was one of his favorite pastimes. Like, I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to tell Patrick all about the history of the Biltmore House. Like, Can we have sex or something? <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. play because I know it's not going anywhere. I can forget. You know, I'm But it's actually going to play nicely later on. So there's some insight that's going to be that's fairly funny. Yeah, okay. So as we all know, the movie star- stars Tim Conway and Don Knotts. Uh, Trey, who are Tim Conway and Don Knotts for the youngins out there who don't know? They were two very funny comedians. They were... Uh, Tim Conway was on the Carol Burnett show. Uh, I, I loved that show growing up. It was, mm-hmm. it was one of, and then Don Knotts was Mr. Furley on Three's Company. 
Mm -hmm. And the two of them were, they were started together in a fair number of movies. Um, the Apple Dumpling yep. Gang, The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. Something called, called the, the Knockout or a boxing movie. The Prize Fighter. Mm -hmm. I got confused because... Because I got confused because I saw the Prize Fighter and I thought that was wasn't that a movie with Barbara Streisand? Yeah, that's the main that, event. That's, that's the main, main event. event. Yeah. <laughs> Put them together, <laughs> Barbara Streisand, Tim Conway, and Don Knotts together for the first time. Well, the uh, yeah the the music guy for this music guy composer wrote for Funny Lady, so he got to work with Barbara at least. He was the music director for the Carol Burnett Show. Yeah. Oh. And for Lust in the Dust. I was going to say, for like every celebrity special, the Cabernet specials, he did the Julie Andrews specials, he did Paul Lynn specials, he did Cheryl Teague specials. Cheryl Teague wow. specials? This, the 70, yeah. Why are yeah. we not talking about a Cheryl Teague special? The fact that you're watching it was special. <laughs> I think actually it was Cheryl Ladd. That would make more sense. Cheryl Ladd was at least a singer. Oh, Cheryl Ladd. Was she? Okay. Can we talk about Charlie's Trey? Angels instead? Trey, what? she was in Any Get Your Gun. She's, she's she was in Any Get Your Gun, and she's one of the singers who was in the part, the Josie and the Pussycats band. She, oh, Melody. Yeah, she was Melody. Okay, no, I, she, I didn't, she, she didn't. Voice. She didn't do the character voices, but she was a singer. I thought for she was when they did songs. Voice. I don't think so. Patrick, is this okay. the part where we pitch our voices way higher because Trey has the nerve to not know musical theater references? I don't know music. I've, I grew up in she's Texas. She's not a musical. Trey! I live in Texas. How can you be gay and not know the music theater? Can't get a more goddamn Texas musical than Danny Get Your Goddamn Gun. I'm going to in Texas. Sorry. Sorry about that. I was drama in high school, but... Yeah. Jesus Christ, Trey! I know. I'm a bad f***. <laughs> but, hey... Hey. Yeah, I can call myself that. Yeah, but we have no input. We have to try you out first. We to have find to slap <laughs> that dick out of his hand. No more. No, Not until I got you know one theater. more. <laughs> There's three more waiting in line. Ah. <laughs> you got to wait in line to play with Charo. <laughs> Bizarro Charo. See, now yeah. I'm picturing this whole thing taking place on the love boat. <laughs> yes, yeah, these two were, were comedy titans of their own right. Don Knotts going all the way back to... The Andy Griffith show when mm -hmm. he was Barney Fife and you oh, know yeah. the amazing Mr. Limpet and the ghost and Mr. Chicken. He tons of stuff. And Tim Conway, which is physical comedy genius. Yes. And so yeah, they teamed up with Disney when they did the Apple Dump again and they formed this whole thing that lasted a quite a few movies. And apparently it was enough of a box office drop that it came in like number okay, it was 1980, which means the Empire was striking back on the big screens. Mrs. Voorhees was stalking the summer camps, and Kristen McNichol was in A Race to Lose a Virginity. Right. And this came in at number, like, 40 that year. And on top of that, Roger Corman, this, this, Roger Corman's studio picked this up because the studio that released it died before the movie came out. And it's their highest-grossing movie ever. Wow. Roger Corman, if you don't know, has made 85 gabillion movies, yep. so going all the way back to the 50s. A so it's quite shocking. But, you know, it's family fair that also is entertaining the adults, too, so I get it. Yeah, I get it. I guess this qualifies that. I mean, except for squeaky boobies, there really wasn't anything. I mean, for some well, there was a... for some reason, murder is always all right. It's like, well, it's only murder. Yeah. The kids can watch that, but a boob. Yeah, but these were these were really tame comedy sitcom comedy yeah. murders. It's just yeah. people laying oh, yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, this movie was as close as you'll ever get to a, a live action Scooby Doo. Blah blah blah. I'm Trey Dean. It's the closest thing we'll ever get to a live action Scooby Doo, except for the two live action Scooby Doo movies that were already made. Trey Dean. Yeah, this this wasn't like Faces of Death Junior. No. no, no, no. And by the way, I forgot to give my thirty second summary of the movie. Plug it in, plug it in. 
Morley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatsoever about that. Or was there? That is the first line for Christmas Carol, and now it's tied into the holidays, <laughs> so it's officially a holiday party now. Hello, this is Randy Gargoyle. A Christmas Carol was about Marley, not Morley. Why are you all so stupid? Hey, there hey, is, hey, it's a, Christmas there is movie. a Santa skeleton. It's Christmas. Totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. I'll have words about those skeletons. Oh, as do I, as do I. So many words. Um, so, okay, we have a cold open. Trey, what's happening in the cold open? You have two very British old people who are very, very, very British getting into a car to go somewhere, and they're bickering. The husband forgets his, his cigars, goes out to get them, gets in the car, and he and no, 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 no. As he goes out, as he, he's gone, the wife's in the car, a shadow behind strangles her. He comes in, sees that she's dead. A figure knocks him on the head, knocks him unconscious, and drives the car into a lake that's right by the mansion. A double murder in the first 30 seconds. And yes. low rent Maggie Smith is dead in the first scene. Yep. Yep. Well, that's what I was going to say about the music, that the music is great, and you could plop oh. any of this mu- music into Evil Under the Sun, and it would fit perfectly. Didn't, 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 the didn't, score was great. Didn't, 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 yeah. didn't. What I love about the scene is that Lady Morley is just not having anything. Why don't you try to do one thing in your lifetime right? It could be quite a challenge. She's having the worst night, and then she gets murdered. But... She, she just, like, loathes everything about her husband, and everything he says is wrong, everything he does is wrong, everything sucks. He, she doesn't even like her nickname. Trey, do you remember what her nickname is? No, I don't. Oh, see, I love the way he, he calls her it, and then he leaves it to go back in the mansion. Just, go away, buttercup. Does this nice, slow close-up on her face and just goes, buttercup. Buttercup. Oh, buttercup. Well, she, and she disapproved in a very British manner, which I appreciate. She did, because she's called Little Buttercup, poor Little Buttercup, though she will never know why. Trey, I promised you before that episode that there was going to be some Gilbert and Sullivan bleed over. And Merry here Christmas. it is. <laughs> so Lord Morley drops his cigarettes on the ground. Mm-hmm. And he, this guy is older than dirt. He's like Hume Cronin, just old. And his hand reaches down to grab him, and it has a close-up of his hand reaching the cigarettes, and it is not an old man's hand. Oh, it's, it's like a young lady's hand. Good call. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in this movie. There's a lot of There's a couple of things where you said Tim Conway and Don Nuss were like, yeah, we're not doing that. And I'm not talking about stunts. I'm talking about horse nears, but we'll get back to that. Nears, 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 nears. Oh, by the way, there is a Friday the 13th connection to this film. Someday oh, we'll find it. Jason Connection. The machetes. And slashing. And and me. <laughs> ow. Ow, ow, ow. Ow, ow, ow. No, no. Kill, kill, kill. Kill, kill, kill. Actually, it's kill, kill, kill. Mama, ma. Yeah, shut up. Shut up. Shut up, nerd who's not me. And the, the thing is, when this first aired on HBO, I had already seen, as many of you know, Friday the 13th in the, theater, in the theaters at way too young an age. I recognized him. I'm going, that's the same guy from Friday the 13th. But we didn't have IMDb back then, so I could never confirm it. But it is in IMDb now. He's in the very first scene in the original – not the very first scene. He's in uh, the beginning of Friday the 13th, uh, the original, in the coffee shop where Annie stops. Can you tell me how far it is to cram Crystal Lake? That scene. Yeah. Who is he in this movie? Well, first of all, the actor's name is Erwin Keyes, and in the movie, he plays Jock, the tongueless groomsman. 
He was he was the uh, well he he was the bus boy in Friday the Thirteenth. He didn't have any lines. Apparently, he had lines before they cut Betsy Palmer out of the scene because it was too much of a giveaway. Okay, but he was Jock the Hunchback. Ah, interesting. And the fun thing about this house, the fun thing about this this big old creepy house we're going to, it's got a staff of servants that are left behind <laughs> that are still working, and there's somebody there to offend everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. First, after the, yeah, I want to talk about the animated opening. I love animated credits. Scenes. Oh my god, it got me right into the mood of the movie, and I love the score. The score is fun. Doug had something to say about the animated credits. Uh oh, absolutely. It like. There were so many of those bombs going off that even Wiley e. Coyote would be like, this bit is a bit tired. Meep, <laughs> <meep>. <laughs> little spy, vi versus spy action. There you go, yeah. On each other. But the thing is, those bombs kept hitting their targets, so they clearly weren't made by Acme. So. <laughs> Excellent point. You're welcome. You're Touché, welcome. Mr. Yeah. Walsh. I was wanting to talk about the stuff because that's where the cast is. Like the ca- It's a cast of people that you go, oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, her. Yeah. Yep. Oh, him. He's in this too. We have no idea what their names are, but it's a cast of those. Um, I just want to rattle off at least the two big ones. We've got in the role of the butler, <laughs> Justin. Justin, which was the name I didn't think existed before 1987, but okay, the, the butler's name is Justin. That is Bernard Fox. Bernard Fox used to play Dr. Bombay on Baywitch. Exactly. Baywitched? Baywitch? Is that like Baywatch? Uh, Baywitch, yeah. That was starring David Hasselhoff <laughs> and Elizabeth <laughs> Montgomery, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bikini magic every day. But no, he was on the he, he was voices on the Flintstones. He was on I Dream of Genie. Paul Lind was really unfortunate in the bikini in that bit ba- <laughs> that Baywitched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hogan's Heroes. And even uh, up until through the 90s and the early 2000s, he was in Titanic. He was the captain of the Titanic. And he was in that mummy with uh, the mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The English colonel that they pick up. That's right. Yeah. And the fun thing is, the fun thing is, he's the only Brit in the cast, and he's the only one with an American with the, he's the only one who's an American <laughs> accent. <laughs> he's actually Welsh. Oh. <laughs> he's one of the less offensive characters. What's his whole thing? What's what's his quirk? Whenever you say murder, he goes crazy. We received this letter. We're here to investigate the Marley case. The Morley's death was an accident. You are mistaken, gentlemen. Perhaps we should make that decision. The uh, letter stated that it was definitely murder. Do me a favor, will you? Don't say that word around this guy. What word? Murder. You won't believe what this guy goes through. I don't know what. What are you talking about? Like, he tries murder! to murder you, yeah. and gets uh, and gets beaten up by the uh, the nurse. Yes, the nanny. nanny. Sorry, the nanny the, who's who doesn't have a name besides nanny. It's weird that she that she was given the name. She was baptized with the name nanny, and then wound up being a nanny. They didn't incredible have any kids there. They had the adopted daughter, who's now an adult. Okay, I, I'm thinking way too much about this movie. <laughs> Thinking way too much about when you when you've got a servant like that who's actually running the household because she's running that oh, damn yeah, household. Yeah. You don't let her go. Nope. You don't let her go. And also, it's Grace Sabrinsky. She... You don't fire Grace Sabrinsky. No. Grace Sabrinsky was Lynn Shay before Lynn Shay was Lynn Shay. <laughs> I have been here forever. My first duty was to Lady and Lord Marley. Then Phyllis came, and everything changed. It's a shame that accidents always happen to the wrong people. 
Grace Abrinsky has been doing character parts like this forever, and she's fabulous. She was um uh, Twin uh, Peaks. Yep. <sighs> Twin Peaks. Yeah, Laura, Laura Palmer's mom. Um, people under the stairs. She was people under the stairs. She was in the people under the stairs. Oh no 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 that was, was Wendy Roby from Twin Peaks. No, I'm sorry. What's up with you and Roby? Can't get it out of my mind. Uh, well, why, why should you? No, she was just in the San, Santa Clarita Diet. She was on Big Love. She's in the Grudge remake. Yep. Uh, she was on Seinfeld for a whole season. Armageddon. Norma Ray, and for horror f- fans, she was in a uh, Galaxy of Horror, Galaxy of Terror, rather. No, I love her. I think she's great. Is it, and she was like, she was like twenty eight when she shot this. What? She she's one of those actresses. Age as she did in Twin Peaks. That was a twenty eight year old woman. She's a hard twenty eight. Yeah, and meanwhile, meanwhile, Phyllis, the daughter, is like fifty. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She was. She oh was my god! Lady. Well, Grace Brisson was. She aged really quickly, but then she stayed in that age range forever. So I guess it is. she's got a character face, and that character just reads older on on screen. Like because you look like they, they have scenes of her walking around the house. I'm going look at her body. Look at her body. She is slim as yep. fuck. She's got she's got curves. I'm like, that is a vibrant young woman under all of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, she just That's why I'm calling her Lynn Shea before Lynn Shea was Lynn Shea. <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna tackle yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she 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 gives great face the entire time. Just uh, the looks she gives were incredible. Yeah. And the physical comedy of beating up Justin. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And if anyone was offended by me calling Doug Shapiro it's a decayed old sissy, that's a line from the movie, okay? Must- you sneak up on me, you decayed old sissy. It's an important reference. Yes. It's what they call it's what Phyllis calls Justin. Who's Phyllis? She's the, the daughter. The, the, the Morley's adopted yeah. daughter. The daughter who stands to inherit all, who gets all the fortune, but if something happens to her, then it is divided amongst the servants. And that's a. Pl- you mean the jackpot? I mean the, the yeah, fortune. fortune. I, I mean the inheritance. <laughs> and this plot point never comes up again. Oh, there's so many up. plot points that never come they, up again. Yeah. They mentioned it several times. She mentions it a couple of times. They mentioned it a few times, but it's just there. It's there. Planning in your head. That's why you think the servants are getting killed. But this is why the servants are getting killed. Or then I know it's, or maybe it's not. Who knows? Can we talk about the shadow that's 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 killing the servants? No, we're not there yet. Okay. I said nothing. Because we're not going in order. I'm just I just wanted to introduce some of the people that were here that were more recognizable. I want to talk about the the, the maid. Okay, you want to talk about her, Doug? <laughs> Do you remember this time you were on the show and we talked about a little TV special called Witches Night Out? Yes! So good. Do you remember how you described the universe that these people lived in in this animated Halloween special? Do not. He described the world as all the women are just boobs and eyes. I wasn't wrong. And that, and I believe Hilda, was her name Hilda? H- Hilda the maid would have fit perfectly in that universe. She's from Absolutely. that town. Absolutely. <laughs> She's pink powder puff lady without the pink powder puff. <laughs> and that was all, that was her entire purpose. Yes. She was. To be tits. Solely for boob jokes. But she made a career out of it, apparently. Did you look at her IMDb? Her entire. <laughs> She's a Benny Hill girl. Perfect. She was in 70s British sex flicks. I mean, you know, sex comedies. Yeah, well, so was Phyllis. So mm-hmm. was Phyllis. Phyllis was in Carry On Camping. Okay. Matron, please, I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> but, but after in the 80s, though, she stopped acting because of become a nurse because her friends were dying of AIDS. I was like, that was... Wait a minute, which actor? Which one? The, the one who was the maid. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Okay. That's yeah, wonderful. She became a nurse. That bosom has yeah. a big heart. Her bosoms are full of heart. <laughs> and you gotta have... Heart. All you really need is... <laughs> heart. 
Hello, this is Flamdy Gargoyle. I'm going to interrupt this musical theater jerk-off session and remind everybody that the role of Hilda was played by Susie Mandel. Susie Mandel played the role. She's more than just boobs. She actually has a name. Back to the show. God, I hate you. <laughs> it's a heart. <laughs> Even though she is a tart. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Tart is Tim Conway. I'm getting mixed up. Third base. Yeah. Oh, I love the fact that his name was Dr. Tart because anytime anybody said Dr. Tart, I had to go, Janet Bradbrookie. Oh. Janet Bradbrookie. <laughs> it made me hard. I'm going, what is he a doctor of? Because Tim Conway is a particular idiot in this movie. Like, of the two of them, yes. he is significantly more stupid oh, than Don Knotts. Slack jawed. Was it like a Sherlock Holmes takeoff of Dr. Watson and Holmes? Because. Yeah. Who are also who are also a longtime gay married couple. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There. But also let me ask you, what year does this movie take place in? Uh according to the the uh newspaper that spins up at the beginning to let you know that Lord oh, and Lady Marley yeah. were killed, well it was done. like nineteen forty seven. Well, yeah, but everything had that sh- like like all the upholstery had the color scheme of the seventies or Late 70s. Well, you can take it up with the Biltmore House. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Biltmore House, your decor is tacky. Goodbye. It's dated. Oh, what did she say? It's a historical (laughs) site. Of course it's dated. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) You can still get rid of all these grounds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just got a question for you guys. Yes, you're pretty. Where do they work? Where 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 do where where do Don Knotts and Tim Conway work? They work for the yard. I noted last night when I watched it with Tara Gardner and I made sure we kept track of it. I said they never say Scotland Yard. Nope. They never do. They never do. So in my imagination that the yard that they work to is next to the Four Seasons Landscaping Company, next to the Dildo store that They're in Jersey. Scotland Yard by way of Jersey. That's why they went up in South Carolina. <laughs> Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. There you it's go. also the, that like group of like office spaces that isn't quite WeWork. Or the gay version of WeWork. <laughs> WeWork. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so they're hired by Lord Morley, nope. who is dead, to investigate his death. His death that never happened. And that's the mysterious part. Yes, yes. Well, but, but, but they get a letter from Lord Morley after he's dead. Yeah, which is one of the, yeah, they, yeah, that, they're like, but wait a minute, he's dead. It's one of the many mysteries. Then who sent the letter? Mm. And they just kind of forget about it after that for a while. They're not bright. They can't hang on to these. Plus, they're fighting. They are fighting. They are fighting. Oh, they are. Bickering because listen, they the bicker. What I think is interesting too is that Don Knotts is in a straight role, straight comedy role. Mm-hmm. He does not have the jokes, and it's weird seeing him do this. But on this last time through right. it, watching it as a gay couple, I'm going. First of all, his entire role is like one long withering stare. <laughs> yeah, Stop talking. Why are you? Talking, God, I told you never to talk about that in front of normal people. That type of a stare. And, okay, there's, there's that scene in the gas station early on before they get to the house, which is all mm. cringe. It's all cringe humor. Cringe, cringe, cringe yeah. humor. Yeah. There's an older gas station attendant, the guy with, with no teeth, who's just gumming his gums the whole time with the big beard pumping the gas. And he's been playing that role forever. Yeah, his teeth extracted as a baby so he can play that role. <laughs> <laughs> what I did for my career. That's right. It, <laughs> This is what I did for my career. Can't forget, won't regret. Gum out, Louise. What? What? That made no sense. Okay, he but played no. a wonderful Lavinia in Shakespeare. But no, picture, pic, 
Picture the scene. Stop. Picture the scene. Please, there's enough of that in this movie. There's enough of that in this movie because all the servants are offensive to absolutely everybody. But we'll, we, we skipped over them. We'll come back to them. But there's the scene at the, the, uh, at the gas station gas where they station. stop. And Tim Conway is trying to talk to this old guy while he's pumping gas. And the guy's just ignoring him. He's like, how far is it to Lord Morley's Manor or whatever the hell he's asking? Excuse me. Our destination is the Morley Manor. Are we heading in the right direction? The Morley Manor? Man stone deaf. Really? Hey! Maybe right there, huh? Oh, Pardon me. Can you help us out? Probably right on there. Uh, can you? Probably blind, too. I think he reads lips. They're just a... Can you tell us where the Morley Manor is? The Morley Manor. We're looking for the... He takes the old guy's hand and puts it on his mouth so he could read his lips as he's talking. <laughs> and Don Knotts is giving this withering stare, and I'm going... I'm doing his Don Nuts internal monologue. Like, Would you stop flirting? God damn it. I'm standing right here. I see you. when a guy has no teeth, you know what it's good for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to get. And he left his mark right here. This is, he this is where right. <laughs> you got something all over your face. Yeah, I've got to have something more all over my face next time we come back through after this case is over. Love exciting and new. And as for the humor, I, I mean, some of it, a lot of it is just dumb. A lot of it's just dumb. But at the same point, walk this way never gets Always old. works. <laughs> always old. works. There, there's like a line of jokes. I've got like three that always work in this movie and in life. And then there's a bunch of others like, nope, no. Didn't, I know you're trying. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and that in combination with a shadow, this that... I was like, why are you sometimes helping them and sometimes trying to kill them? And then I remembered like my my Dungeons and Dragons days. Like if someone is lawful good, they do things for good. If someone is lawful evil, they do things if they're evil. This one is lawful comedy. If it's funny, <laughs> well, then I'm helping. No, if it's funny, no, then no. I'm killing. Well, yes, of course, of course. But till you get to the ending, then it will all make sense because there's more than one shadow. There are many shadows. Sure, but were no. both of them running around the whole time? Wait, no, there's only one shadow. There's several shadows. Okay, well, I know there were two. Out. Apparently, it was the worst prom ever because everybody got a shadow outfit. This irresistible Paris original. And they all wound up wearing the exact same thing. Oh, no, we're all wearing black with a hood. Oh, no. And that's why we're so mad to get us killed. There is more than one shadow. There is more than oh, one shadow. I'm confused stream. now, but we'll, we'll talk about this later. No, no, no. We'll talk about it now. We'll talk about it now because, like, you see, you see, well, you the know, at least two people that wore the getup. The killer, Who? the killer wore it at the beginning, and so it, oh yeah, I yeah. think oh, yeah. the killer that is one. still wearing it. It's doing things when things are bad. Bad things are happening to them. It's the killer. When good things are happening to it's the people that are trying to secretly solve the murder okay. that we find out about later. Early on in the movie, when Phyllis first meets the detectives, there's somebody spying on them. The shadow is spying on them through one of those fake painting things. So there's obviously two shadows. If she's also dressed as a shadow, but also, throughout the movie, you'll notice that the 
When you see the shadow, the height and the body size changes repeatedly because there are many, many shadows. Everybody's taking a turn. Okay, we're going to have to spoil it now. We're here now. We're here now. It turns out Lord Morley was never dead at all. His wife was murdered, and he's faked his own death and has convinced the whole, the whole crowd of servants that are there to help him uh, scare a, a confession out of his daughter, Phyllis, because he knows it was her. He saw her. When I returned to my motor car on that fatal evening, I spotted Phyllis in the rearview mirror. Before I could do anything, she hit me over the head and rendered me unconscious. My motor car hit the lagoon. I was dazed. However, I managed to get out of the car and swim to the surface. I summoned the entire staff to the mausoleum, and there we concocted this charade of phony killings, hoping to force Phyllis into a confession. It worked perfectly. <laughs> well, that's just exactly the way we had it figured. <sighs> did yes we did and and he also hires the detectives to come right and do nothing but the thing is, i watched it like i said with with somebody last night and i went when he's explaining everything at the end which i just played the audio for and this was the absolutely least convoluted way to get to this conclusion <laughs> <laughs> i know he could have just walked in and said hey i saw you do it <laughs> But as yeah. as they say throughout the movie, Lord Morley never does anything right. Mm. Didn't do this right. That's true. He doesn't get there his poems go. right either. You know what he does right? No. A jump scare at the end that I didn't expect. It was a really good one. Which one? Is it okay to say the ending? I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't. You know what? I'm going to say it's okay to say the ending because the movie is, what, 40 years old, 42 years old at this Great. point. And it doesn't really matter. Cool. Phyllis is making the confession. And she falls back onto the onto like the potted plant, and the shadow comes out of the soil uh, and wraps arms around her. It was so good. That was good. And there were good. definitely other tactics he could have used, but it was but it's certainly effective. One thing I want to say was that I want to talk about Lord Morley for just one second. Lord Morley, um, you know, a great character actor, worked in everything, but for horror folks, he was in the movie The Sentinel. He was really memorable in The Sentinel because he was uh, Christina whatever her name is, the, the lead woman's dad that she has nightmares about, who's walking around in his underwear the whole movie, the one who is in the, the cream pie orgy with the two fat hookers. <laughs> okay, okay. I know who he is now. Oh, well, you didn't... Look at Doug. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> the look on Doug's face. This is why I stay Maya with Murphy Muffet. Face. He's making my Murphy's crunchy face. <laughs> you got to start... You have to get pictures of... You got to start getting my, Myra Gardner face. Well, Myra and Gardner these, was in yeah. that movie. <laughs> she was in The Sentinel. She was. <laughs> yeah, her and Beverly D'Angelo were lesbian lovers. Uh -huh. No way out. No what do you do for out. a living? We fondle. We fondle each other. <laughs> No way out. <laughs> you volunteered, Doug. You can't back out. It's Christmas. We need, to, we need to tell Doug that's our next movie we're watching. But yeah, but we didn't make Doug watch The Sentinel and tell him it's like a whole different, like, happy movie. No, was, no, no, no that, would it. It would kill, that would kill Doug. Love your Doug. Don't hurt your Doug. Love your Doug. That would kill Doug. I mean, I would, show you, I would show you the Sylvia Miles parts. Don't kill your Doug. Or the Beverly D'Angelo parts. Well, that's part of it. But no, but I would, I would still, because they're not scary. It. It's her being fabulous. Are we talking about her? That's, okay, but I'm sorry. It's the new ending of the movie. The shadow pulls down his hood, and it's Myra Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> Odell. Odell. Oh, Dad! sent me to the booby hatch. Huh? <laughs> oh. Did our daughter try to kill us again? Odell! <laughs> Hello, this is Flem the Gargoyle again. If you have no idea what these three queens are talking about, 
then you need to take your butt all the, all the, all the way back to episode 86, which was the first time these three idiots got together to talk about the Agatha Christie murder mystery show, Evil Under the Sun. It's one of the most popular episodes. It's one of the most infamous episodes. And, 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 and it's a whole thing. There was a character in the name of Gardner, played by Sylvia Miles. Everybody loved her because she was like a drag queen without being a drag queen. Blah, 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 blah. So if you didn't know, now you know. So stop crying before I kill you. Blah. I told you she was You know, Hattie Hamishower's <laughs> daughter tried to kill her. Except she succeeded. Our daughter can't do anything right either. <laughs> Oh, I just want to watch her over and over again because I know I'm related to her. I don't know how, but I definitely am. I feel seen. Uh, but it was funny. When I watched this last night with somebody, I, t- I told him the same thing. And I'm going to say the same thing. Of course, he didn't recognize Lord Morley Trey because he had clothes on. He had clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But get his shirt off. and be like, I know those old And covered in, covered in like cream pie cream. <laughs> Major motion picture, Doug. Major motion picture. It almost bankrupted the studio. Not the part right now. Back to this one. Um, one of my favorite things in the movie is one of the smallest things, except it's not, except if you don't know comedy. It's during the scene where, they're first, where they first meet the daughter, Phyllis, and she's telling them what she did on the night of the murder. Oh, my God. Yes. First of all, I went, Talbots? Your nightgown was from Talbots? <laughs> I saw that too. Reacted like that. a true gay man. Well done, sir. Was Moo's R Us not open? Yeah. Okay, maybe it was classier back in the forties. Like, but but then here's the thing: what I caught last night. Did you notice that at the end of the movie, bef- where uh, they they're finding when they find the nanny dead, she's wearing the nightgown? No, I did not notice. She really oversold that nightgown. It's dowdy as fuck. But I'm like, but I'm like, no, she's right. It's blue. It's cut down to here. It's slid up to here. <laughs> That's the nightgown. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> well. Done. She was wearing her alibi. But anyway, that's all happening, and she's talking about it, and it's all erotic, and they just, I just play the audio so they've heard it. But Tim Conway does not a double take, not a triple take, a quadruple take. Only he and Patrick Stewart. Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> you, Patrick Stewart craps out at a triple. <laughs> he does, he, I've seen that tutorial video. There's a great video where he's stoned, and he's talking about how to do a, a double take and a triple take at a comedy show. And he only goes up to a triple. Tim Conway does a quadruple. I'm going, you're a fucking master. You're a fucking master. He is so in the moment. When Tim Conway, just in the beginning, the moment that when, when I screamed out loud, I love you, was in the very beginning, Phyllis is talking and Don Knotts tells him to take notes. And just the thought process of trying the pencil, it snaps. The tip snaps. He starts chewing it to get the lead out. And then shakes it and then starts. And then by the time he puts pen to paper, the testimony's done. And it's timed and beautiful. And just like you see him discover eating in the moment. Yeah, she just said something really emotional, like, and I never saw them again. (laughs) (laughs) He's a master. It's so good. It's so good. When he started doing that, chewing that pencil, going, that's because Mrs. Howiggins isn't here to sharpen that for him. (laughs) Mrs. (laughs) Howiggins. Hello, <laughs> Mrs. Hwig- Hello. I would also accept Mrs. Wiggins as the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Chewing her gum. Hello. Um, okay, so so one thing. So early in the movie, in the show, they established that Tim Conway is an inventor, and it's all these wacky oh, Jesus. inventions. Yeah, oh like God, yep. The time gun that goes off once an hour. This isn't one of your better inventions. 
Never heard of a gun that went off every hour. It might save your life someday. Yeah, if you have to shoot someone every hour. By the way, better turn it off. It's almost 3 o'clock. Too late. Yes, sir. Then what are their inventions? Then they just forget about it. He never makes another invention ever. I kept expecting to whip out some weird invention. He had that four-foot-long pistol that was in the pants at one point. <laughs> but, like, th those two things are, like, they scream, we are setting something up. Yes. And, like, he's an inventor, and he's got the time gun. Like, which would... It's Chekhov's time gun. Thank yeah. you, Trey, for saying that, because you know what? It actually fits. Because I said, it should have saved the day. Because then I said, actually, the rule is... You don't introduce the time gun in Act 1 unless somebody shoots it by Act 3. That time gun got shot every hour on the hour throughout the movie, so it was shot repeatedly, yeah. so it, it and works. And never saved the day. <laughs> no. Nope. No. No. It was. I kept thinking, oh, I remembered it as at the end of the movie, the time gun saves them, and it didn't. That's I like, what I, I, I thought, I too. That's what Even I thought, too. memory. By the way, since we're trying to jump, we're to jump to the end. At the end, when Phyllis is confessing, she has changed into this fabulous black and white suit. Very, oh, shit. very, very end of any Agatha Christie. Yeah. But why would you kill Lord and Lady Morley? Don't you know why? Well, I'll tell you why. I needed more and more money to support my gambling habit. But the Morleys weren't about to part with any more cash for their little daughter, Phyllis. So I figured the easiest way to get my hands on their fortune was to knock them off. And I was right. So it was you in the backseat of the car. Correct dummy and now i must bid you farewell yeah, well you gotta Thank have a costume did. change before you escape with the money that has been in the house the whole time but anyway not the point right now but i went that is from talbot's that is definitely from talbot's that is a talbot's outfit right there i hope talbot's finance this movie they went out of business didn't they <laughs> can no we, no my mom loves going to talbot's can we talk about how nobody's bothered by the torture chamber in the house there's a torture chamber with racks and skeletons, meaning dead people. And you're like, oh, it's his, it's his poor torture chamber downstairs. It's his private torture chamber. He's the only one that goes in there. It's Lord Moore's private torture chamber. I have an explanation for that, but that's going to come when I gave the fuck out of this. With bodies. Okay. All right. Because it's a creep. Because it's a creepy old house movie, and you can't have a creepy old house movie without a torture chamber or dungeon or some shit. It's who cares? It's not. We're not in the real world. But and, and no king shaming on my show, Trey. Come on. Did you see his wife? Did you see Lady Morley? The the torture chamber was the 1940s version of the man cave. That was his place to just go away and be left alone and get away from her. I, I it it works for me. Um, yeah. What I want to say is they keep finding all these secret passages and they're walking around through the secret passages and there's lots of snooping around and sneaky, sneaky, sneak, sneak, sneak passages is what I was just about to say. <laughs> they should have worn sneakers. Their feet wouldn't have squeaked so much. They, there was a lot of squeaky feet. There's a lot of squeaky feet. And, but, squeaky um, and boobs. When they come... And <laughs> only two of those. Only two of those. But, but they were more than enough for everybody. At one point, they're sneaking around, and Trey brought it up, or one of you brought it up before, that they come across a skeleton. What's unusual about the skeleton that they come across, the first one? Santa outfit. Santa. No, it's Phoebe Cates' dad. Yep. From Gremlins. Yeah, that's, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Doug's making the face again. I thought the same thing. Okay, let's educate Doug. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. In the Gremlins, Phoebe Cates' character hates Halloween. And they keep mentioning it throughout the Christmas. Movie. Oh, sorry, Christmas. She hates Christmas. Phoebe Cates hates Christmas. And what is what one of the big critical points of the movie? It's people say it's this wonderful, enjoyable movie, except all of a sudden Phoebe Cates drops this depressing monologue 
in the middle of everything that's not necessary about she hates Christmas because one year her dad dressed as Santa Claus and tried to come down the chimney and he got stuck and we didn't find him for three weeks. Oh. And he died. But he's found. Yeah, he's found. They found him. He was, at, he was at the Biltmore house the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew gremlins happened in South Carolina? Uh-huh. As the movie go, as the movie goes on, they keep finding dead bodies, and the dead bodies keep disappearing, and they keep coming back to the surviving people saying, "We found a dead body." And they're like, "Well, we don't see any bodies. If there's no bodies, you guys must be crazy. Nobody trusts the authorities on this one, like yeah. normal people would." But of course, they wouldn't because they're all in on it. But Dunnots and uh, Tim Conway are very upset. Every time they find a dead body, didn't care about Phoebe Cates' dead at all. They were fine with that. Oh, like, yeah. Let's go through his sack and steal packages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a harmonica. Yeah, they, they just never really, yeah, exactly. They never thought about, like, oh, maybe we need to solve a mystery about all these skeletons <laughs> we're finding. Tim Conway even makes a joke about, I know this why I didn't get presents last Christmas. You know what, honey? You know why you didn't get presents last Christmas. Okay. You know why. Okay. You know, why. you know why. Well, I didn't get it because I'm Jewish. You were running around with that Wookalar. Wookalar. Okay. So they bring up the Wookalar halfway through the uh, movie. This is one of the jokes that didn't work ever. No. It worked when I was a kid. It worked when I was a kid. I can explain it, though. I can explain it, though. This was no pigeon bit. Here's the thing. You know how I mentioned earlier how Tim Conway was flirting with the guy at the gas station? What you don't know is for the past six months, Don Knotts has been flirting with their new next-door neighbor, who is this hairy guy who loves Star Wars, and he's also from Sweden. So Tim Conway calls him Wookiee Lars. Because he loves Don Knotts doesn't know that Tim Conway knows that he's been flirting. That's why he keeps bringing him up. I saw Wookiee Law once. He I'm sucked so a brain. He sucked a, he sucked a horse's brain out of its nose. Well, I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a ghost. Is that right? Well, the Wookiee was a ghost in the Barkley Mountain mystery. Know what it did? Ripped open a horse's stomach and ate it. You know what else? Tore off a pig's head. Sucked its brains right out its nose. Just <laughs> right out. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> pigs. That's the euphemism, kids. I was going to say that's not a that's not a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's not a bug. That's a feature. Okay, <laughs> uh, I want to bring up the scene where we meet the servants with Brutcher because there's this like I keep saying there is ethnically diverse group of servants and every single one of them oh. is designed to offend somebody different in the audience every single day. Oh. <laughs> it's painful. It's painful. Yeah. Uh, there's the Japanese chef. I can't read my handwriting, and of course he's dressed like a samurai. The whole time. And the bowing bits. The bowing, hasso. Which are funny, and I feel so bad because it's funny. <laughs> it's wrong, but it, it's like Tim Conway's timing of, like, nodding to Don Knotts to acknowledge something and then looking back because the chef bows. And then he looks and bows at the, like it. And the then he'll, timing buy, he'll bow flawless. at somebody who's not there. It, the timing is impeccable. But the joke's not funny anymore. Of this terrible, terrible joke. Yeah, no, no, look, I'm an Asian person, and we eat weird things. Oh, have some fish eyes. Where are you from? All right. Now, where are you from? Ah, so. What'd you call me? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I am from Nara. Uh, How do you spell that? Nara. Nani nune no no na desne. Not to confuse with natto no na. Nabe no na. So, nabe. I got it. I got it. I got it. Just stop it. Please stop it. Please stop it. Oh, God. Is it, oh, oh, you can't know. <laughs> and we have yeah. we have the caretaker who is self-described as a gypsy. And he's filthy. Yep. And he goes, does he cure warts? Does it? <laughs> painful. I didn't get that drunk. Gypsies have spells to cure warts with magic. 
What? Gypsies know spells. Oh, Traditionally, they know how to get rid of warts and have weird cures for things. Oh, because when he was asked, he fainted. About warts? Oh, because it, yeah. I didn't get that either. Okay. Don't judge him. Don't judge him. He had a hard day. You have all these characters in a comedy, and yet they never use them. They never come back to them until they die. Because the joke is, ha-ha, she has boobs. Ha-ha, he's Asian. Ha-ha, he can't speak. Yeah, you don't have a tongue. My name is Jack. I'm the groom. I was on the road more in India, and here I had my tongue cut in. Uh, <clears throat> what'd you say? He said, my name is Jack the groom. And we got your own money, and then you are all in my Shut up. Yeah. Ha-ha. Yeah. Nears. Nears. <laughs> that part was funny, I gotta admit. I know, I'm so sorry. I know it shouldn't be funny. It was funny. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. It, okay, it, was, it was less funny with subtitles. I had to give Doug a copy that had the subtitles burned into it. It's less funny with subtitles, because when you, when you see Horse Nears spelled out, you know what he's talking about. But when you hear, Horse Nears, Horse Nears, it's kind of funny when you find out what it is, which is poop. Nears, Nears, you He's right, standing in horse nears. <laughs> and by the way, since we're talking about that scene there where they didn't do like, something happened, oh, where, where the guy didn't, it was totally not his hand picking up the cigars. They show, when you find out that horse nears means horse shit, and that Tim Conway and Don Knotts have been standing in it the whole scene, they cut to a scene of their boots going, ew, ew, we are, like squishing around in the horse nears. And then when they change angles... Don Knotts and Tim Conway are standing nowhere near that pile of poop. Nowhere near it. We are the stars. You have to stand in that pile of shit. And for everybody else not being funny or not getting a chance to be that funny, it's like the first rule of musical theater. You never kick higher than Cheetah, and you never get to be funnier than Don Knotts or Tim Conway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was accomplished. Yep. You're welcome. It was hilarious. It was. My dad loved this movie. My dad howls at this movie. It was funny at the time. Uh. It was. You could chop it up to a really good 30-minute, 35-minute movie. Yeah. Well, okay, so the so one thing I, I was talking to— Unlike this podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're all quality, baby. Now, I was telling I know. Doug about this earlier, Patrick. So after everyone dies, the killer leaves a poem on them. In this house, it's hard to survive. Some will be dead who are now alive. Mr. Yawatsum is gone because he knew too much. Bye for now, but rest assured we'll keep in constant contact with each other. And it's because you read the you read the poem, it rhymes and rhymes, and then the last word where you think it's gonna rhyme is something else. That bit worked every time, like the pigeons. It always worked. To dig your own grave is quite a sight, but to bury yourself is not very bright. There are more to kill and the job will be done. Now there are five. Soon there'll be a lot less. But so here's the thing. Happy Doug. There's one murder where the poem does rhyme at the end. With Hilda's murder. Hilda is dead, and here's something to note. You can't bury her at sea, because her bosoms will float. And then, mm. when there's the one where they're standing in horse caca, the last, he's reading the, the poem aloud, and he gets to caca, you could tell he's dubbed over something else. If Jacques could talk, he'd give you a clue. But now that he's dead, what can you do? You deserve what he got, I don't regret it a bit. By the way... You're standing in bull caca. Here's the thing about Hilda's poem. They didn't finish Hilda's poem. It's rhyming couplets the whole time, and they didn't give us couplets. See, there was only one stanza in Hilda's poem. Because it was like, you know what? Okay. You can't bury her at sea because her bosoms will float, was the joke. <laughs> it's not going to get any funnier than that. <laughs> or, they got, or they got even more obscene. But the thing is, what I love about the rhyming couplets is that 
being wrong every time is that they set that up at the beginning. Oh, yep. All's well that ends satisfactorily. Yes, yes. Oh, that that's uh, a clue. I just got that. That's a clue. You guys, that, you guys. That's one where I stood up. I stood up and like, like when you stand up and you turn around and say back okay. down, that was one. That's basically them telling you who the killer is. Trey, they did that in the opening credits. When Trisha Noble's name comes up, it's over the shadow. Oh, I, I, I'm stupid. Did you catch the name of the book she was reading? How to get away with it? Yeah. I caught that. Amazing. Uh, Lock all your windows and your screens. I said when I died that I'd come back. If you believe in ghosts, you're on the right track. I'm out of the grave and roaming the moors. If you want to be safe, you better lock all the windows and screens. Yeah. <laughs> I like killing people. It's a oh, lot of oh, kids. that's somebody I want to talk about. Hold on. I want to talk about this movie. was the first... Oh. The voice of the doll, Russi Taylor. She was the voice of, uh, this is the, for her very first role, she was the voice of Huey on DuckTales. She was Gonzo, a Muppet baby. She was the cat in Babe. Uh, for the gays who were, who were playing games in the 90s, she did voices on Gabriel Knight. Did, did you ever play Gabriel Knight? You did. Yes. It was, yes, really, did. It was a weird time in history because you had a, a video game series, a mystery supernatural uh, crime-solving series featuring a gay detective voiced by Tim Curry. Give me a break. The devil himself couldn't change you. Well, if the devil had great legs, perhaps. And nobody had any problem with it. Oh, yeah. Hot. Was he gay? Oh, yeah. He, was, he might have been bisexual. I remember he was very flamboyant. The second mystery with the, with the werewolves in, in Europe was very yes. gay. It was all about, like, the old kings screwing each other, which is going to come into play later, by the way. But currently, she's the official voice of Minnie Mouse for Disney and everything that they do. So oh, she is wow. fucking rich. Oh, that shit. This was her humble beginning. Listen up, dummies. The help is all gone. The house is bare. Now you know a shadow lives there. There is one left to die. Then my job will be done. I like killing people. It's a lot of kicks. This doll will self-destruct. Good. She deserves it. Also, that that winding up the doll was one. Like, there's some really fun sound effects in this movie. Yeah. The click, click of winding up the doll. The squeaky boobs, which you can't stop talking about. Tim Conway stepping on the bed of nails. <laughs> yes. Oh, Foley had a blast with this movie. Very flat nails. Yeah. Yeah. At a close-up of them, I was like, oh, his nails have been filed down. But that he's got to keep running back and forth across him. That's comedy with a K. Yeah. There'd be bits in the movie that are just groan-worthy because there's a scene where they're, they're, they think that Lord Morley might have come back to life or faked his own death or something because apparently he had an obsession with being buried alive, so he's got one of those coffins you can get out of. When you sealed Lord Morley's coffin, was he in it at the time? Of course. But Lord Morley had a great fear of being buried. Oh, most folks do. No. He said he wanted to come back to life, and he wanted a way to get out. The crypt was built to be unlocked from the inside. You mean so he can get out? Right. The jock made it that way. You don't suppose that this Morley guy has actually figured out a way to come back from the dead, do you? Of course not. Whoever has. Well, then why would he make a coffin that you can get out of? Obviously, the man wasn't very bright. Wasn't that what Phyllis said? Yeah. You know, they say that Wickelar's figured out a way to come back. Don't start. 
So they break into the mausoleum yeah. to investigate things. There's a whole amount of business going on with Tim Conway trying to light a candle. I'm going, this mausoleum is so brightly lit. Why are you lighting a candle? <laughs> 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 it's like fluorescent lighting in this, in this thing. <laughs> And there's, That's but one. it made me laugh. It's true. That scene made me there's laugh. leaves all over the right. top of the of the tombs. I'm going. It's a mausoleum. You're inside. Where are these leaves coming from? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Whatever. Inside. It works. It all works. It all works. And the jump scene of them opening up the mausoleum as a kid scared. Oh, when when the monster jumps out. Yeah, I the big that. scary thing comes out, laughs at yeah. everybody. Mausoleum leaves. There's a scene where they find the body of Justin the butler. Again, in one of those secret passages. He's been strangled with a, the cord on a cuckoo clock. Now there's one less that has to be fed. But Justin can't serve you because he's dead. Uh, the guru was right. You can come back. When you said there was a ghost, you were on the right trail. Don Knotts leaves him alone. You got to leave Tim coming alone. Watch the body. I got to go find Phyllis. We got to prove that there's a body. And of course, the body disappears. And after the body disappears, Tim Conway gets jumped by the shadow. And when we come back, we find Tim Conway also strung up with the cuckoo clock. And Don Knotts is very upset. Dr. Tart! Janet Brad, Rocky, um. Is he? I don't know. Tart, can you hear me? Tart! Is he gone? My longtime friend and companion, Dr. Tart, is dead. And he has a whole little speech going, my best friend, my companion. Oh. <laughs> You're right, Patrick. That totally implies anal sex. I'm sorry. What do they, they call all lesbians back in the day? Oh, my traveling companion. So they're all, okay, so they're all lesbians. They're all lesbians. Right. That actually works, too. <laughs> That actually works really Hooray well. Hooray for lesbians. Don Knotts is a lesbian. I will buy. I will buy that as a lesbian. <laughs> if you squint really hard, Don Knotts could pass for a lesbian. There's this whole scene in the, in the, in the torture chamber, which I will get back to, which, which everybody has. Everybody has one. Come on now. There's all kinds of traps and all kinds of things going on. I think I had a light bulb. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Don Knotts gets caught in this trap, and he's strapped down to this moving conveyor belt and he's being dragged into this thing with all these axes chopping on him. <laughs> and Tim Conway's trying to find something to cut the rope with and he's stumbling all across the room and triggering all these traps and he falls into a guillotine. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Oh. And it cuts off the top of his hat. Yes. Another one of Dr. Tart's inventions is the self-healing hat because 30 seconds later that hat is fine. <laughs> totally fine. What? But, later, oh, when they're, but, but then later in the movie it's still cut off because I was looking at it when they're confronting Phyllis. It got scared. He got scared and popped off again. He got scared. It's a scaredy hat. Ah, uh, yeah, that, 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 that. Uh, <laughs> scaredy hat. That's our date. He's taken. Yeah. So it all turns out that it was it was Phyllis the whole time, and they don't have to do a thing. Like she, they come in to tell her what happened. Like, oh, we just got done no. out of this trap and we got attacked by the shadow, and she just blurts it. I'm glad we caught you in time. Yeah, you got to come with us. Uh, you won't be needing that. We'll handle this. So you figured it out, did you? Yeah, right. I knew you knew. You knew we knew you knew what? You knew all along that I killed Lady and Lord Morley. Ah, uh, well, we figured that day. We didn't figure that, did we? 
No, we figured you might be in danger because of the shadow. He's our killer. There's no shadow. I killed the Morleys. There is, too, a shadow. We saw it. Tell her we saw the shadow. I was up with shadow. I didn't. Uh, now, look, there's a lot more going on here than you Save know. your breath. It's about to be your last. I don't know what you saw. And I don't know who's doing all the killing around here, but I'm pulling out of this place with the money. All I have to do is rid myself of you two. You don't suppose we had this figured wrong, do you? <laughs> I'm the killer. So they're like, no, you're not. I know you figured it out. She gives the whole have. thing. Yeah. Like, and Donald's just like, do you think that maybe we figured this whole thing wrong? <laughs> she just confessed. <laughs> that was a good she line. She just confessed. <laughs> Doug said there's a great jump scare. She confesses and they 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 fight sort of and there's a gunshot. The, 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 the leg gun is funny. He's got this like four foot long pistol down. The, so he can't get it out. Yeah. So they have to do all this crazy stuff with his leg to shoot at her, which they do. And they knock the gun out of her hands and she falls into that flower bed. And as Doug said, what happens, Doug? Uh, then out of the flower bed, these two arms come and envelop her. And it turns out it's the shadow well, who is her dad. But it was like unexpected. Brilliant. He's just waiting under the dirt yeah, the whole time. The dirt real quick, somehow just, he uh, knows that she would fall into the dirt just where he was. It's, anyway. it's a falling down place. She was, you know, I don't know what that kid is. It's some like <laughs> magnet. I don't know. I got it. It's true. Ever since she was a little girl, whenever she murders someone, she always confesses and falls back in that same Odell, Are you hiding in the flower bed again, Odell? <laughs> you gotta come back sticking a fertilizer. Odell! <laughs> well, she was my gardener. Oh. I liked the shadow costume. It was simple, but it was effective with the long black gloves that go up the arm, the hood low. It just it looked like a Scooby-Doo villain. Exactly. Through and through. And the gloves made that delicious noise as well. Yeah. Doug likes the creaking of leather. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very effective in the movie. I find it very soothing, much better than the Asmir people. <laughs> I shouldn't be wearing it. It's probably made a pig, but still, it makes a good noise. It's very, it keeps your hands warm when you're murdering someone in a South Carolina British mansion. And as they're leaving, they get a gift. What, a, what gift do they get? What thank you gift do they get for helping solve this case? A giant sarcophagus. <sighs> Like you do. From Lord Morley's personal collection. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Sarcophagus. <laughs> do, 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 do. Sarcophagus. Sarcophagi, the, the Marvel supervillain that just never worked out. <laughs> he had to be excused that day because he had a cough. And it just oh. cough. He was a cough guy. That one hurt here and here and a little bit here. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Or, or, or he wasn't a good fighter because he was too busy coughing. Mm. Nurse, yeah. nurse, mm-hmm. nurse. <laughs> that was the perfect joke for this movie. <laughs> that was that fit this movie perfect. I know, like it feels like we're wrapping up, but we haven't talked about pigeons. Okay, I wanted to say that for the end because we left. It, I, because, oh, let's just wrap up the movie at this point because turns out what's in the coffin? There's one more shock of the movie. A wookalar. I'll walk alarm. Do, 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 do. I'll walk alarm. Do, 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 do. Halfway through the movie, Tim Conway starts talking about this crazy creature called the Wookalar. Halfway through, not the beginning, but halfway through. And then again, and then finally this joke. That's Tim Conway, though. Like that always that didn't bother me because that the, the Tim would do Tim Conway would do that on Carol Burnett show. Like he brings a random thing and like the whole elephant joke that's famous, the whole elephant 
skit. Like he just dropped right, that in yeah. the middle of a scene that had nothing. Yeah, Siamese yeah, elephants. Chinese elephants. Um, so that didn't <laughs> bother me, and I lo- we loved it as a kid. And we loved that it paid off that a wookalar comes and attacks him in the car. Although I watched it this time, going, "Is that Big Pussy from The Sopranos?" <laughs> it looked like Big Pussy from The Sopranos. Yeah, well, glad he's getting work. He was very handsome, <laughs> with the pig nose and the <laughs> and everything like that. It was very. It's a look. It's a look. It's a look. And that's the end of the movie. They go off fighting in the car, and actually, there was supposed to be a sequel. And and in that shot with the fighting in the car, no more Wookalar. Because there was never any Wookalar. They're just making sweet, sweet love while the car is in motion. <laughs> the Wookalar was in their Did hearts the whole time. <laughs> the hearts. <laughs> the Wookalar was the offensive jokes that we Wookalar made along the way. Euphemism for their yep. penises. That's right. That's right. Um, Tara Gardner, who I watched with last night, she's like, at a certain point in the movie, they turned into Mulder and Scully for a bit, particularly when it came to like the dead. Is he dead or is he not dead? Is there a ghost? Is there not oh, a ghost? Yeah. They turned into, and I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. It's kind of hot. It's kind of hot. Uh, <laughs> but the bigger mystery is that that we're left with at the end of the movie. I said, who was murdering the pigeons? <laughs> Poor. Oh my god, that's right. Two of them were straight up murdered. One was shot. And one was had a little dagger. <laughs> well, like I said, you know, the shadow will kill a bird if it's comic timing. It's worth it. Lawful comic. The whole joke is is that Tim Conway has brought this army of pigeons with him because that's how they communicate with the yard. Not Scotland Yard because they get sued, and they're in America. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> um, but every time, they try, every time they try to send a message back to the yard, something awful happens to the bird. That first bit where he, like, sends a pigeon to fly out the window and <laughs> throws it through the glass. <laughs> the window was closed. And, it, <laughs> and I'm a... I'm a bird owner and just, but that's funny. That is funny shit. <laughs> because they showed the bird wandering around dazedly, so you know it's right. not dead. Mm-hmm. Which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Sean had a harder time watching that one. I had a, lot, I had a hard time with a lot of the bird stuff because I'm going, how did they do to the bird to make them do that? Like the one with the chicken. They, mm-hmm. When they find the yes. uh, Japanese cook dead, he's got a chicken, like a, a roast chicken stabbed, an uncooked chicken stabbed through him. And when they're taking out the pigeon to send it to Scotland Yard, they put it next to the chicken, the dead chicken. I'm sorry, but they take out the, make sure I said that right. When they take out the pigeon to send it to Scotland Yard, they put it down next to the dead chicken for a second and just starts wobbling all over the place. And they're like, I guess it was a relative. But I'm going, what did they do to make it walk like that? I mean, I worry about that. I worry about stuff like that. Poor pigeon. Bad touch, bad touch. Poor pigeon. I'm shocked they didn't shit on anybody. There was no pigeon shit joke. And they they were in his fucking coat the whole movie too, which always worries me. And this is totally a movie that would have pigeon shit jokes. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're above that kind of humor. <laughs> Squeaky boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the pigeons were always taken from waist level. Isn't there a scene where they're watching Phyllis undress? Yes. Oh, so wrong. In a gag stolen yeah. from Murder by Death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that, that scene's for the dads. And the moms, the, the queer moms, thank you. That's Phyllis. Must be her bedroom. Oh, well, then let's go. How would you like if someone was watching you in your bedroom? Hey, wait a minute. She's getting undressed. Let me up there. Let me get away. I was here first. Get off my back. I was here first. Stop your bumper. Let me help. Find another passage. Look at them pretending they're straight. Look at the pretending. Was- Meanwhile, they're just like, oh my God, look at her stockings. <gasps> wow. Those are high quality uh, nylon. Uh, They're real. They don't have the seam up the back. Wow. Well, they do have the seam up the back. <laughs> back in the day. There's a lot of ick in this. Um, but everybody's everyone's at the top of their game and they're doing what they can. Like it's just it is what it is. It's a time capsule. Doing the best they can. 
Even Justin with the terrible murder bit. You know what? I th- when we found out that he may he that he was taken on by Lord Morley after he murdered his wife, after he he, he was accused of murdering his wife and, and her lovers. I am Justin the Butler. I was accused of killing my wife and her lovers, but Lord Morley, bless him, convinced the authorities it was a case of justifiable insanity, and I have served him happily ever since. How many lovers did your wife have? Thirteen. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> Atta girl. Atta girl. That's my baby. That's Atta how I become girl. Roz from nine to five. Atta girl. Oh, not, was, not Roz. Atta not girl. Roz. Uh, you know who I'm no. talking about. Yeah. Atta girl. Yeah, the, the yeah. drunk. My the drunk. favorite part of the whole movie is, no, I don't want another glass of buzzard puss. I made, that makes me so happy. <laughs> oh. The buzzard puss not funny when it first comes up. Uh, you mind if I... If you wish. Okay. Cheers. What is this stuff? I believe it's ink. Ink? Yes. Lord Morley brought it back from India. It's made of buzzard puffs. Very funny the second time it comes up. How am I going to find any clues without any bodies? Another glass of pus. No, I don't want another glass of pus. It's just a non sequitur. Would you like another glass of pus? No, I don't want another glass of pus. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. 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 I would have loved to see the maid, the nanny, and Justin like had their own spinoff movie. That would have oh, been funny. I think it was. It was called Murder by Death. Hey, let's talk about Murder by Death. That was two <laughs> years prior. You can't spin <laughs> off in the past. That's perverted. Speaking of perverted, let's talk about Biltmore House. One of the things that Bradford loves okay. to tell me about Biltmore House, I forget. I guess it's the Biltmore family who built it, but whoever built it, the head of the family. Oh, there were lots of secret passengers and things like that, but it was all kinds of. Well, he was famous for having his men's only nude swimming parties, and hey, if you if you stayed there overnight, you know, if you were a married couple and you stayed there with your if you were a guest at Biltmore House, uh, it was just company policy that you would sleep in separate rooms, and the husband and the wife wouldn't even be on the same floors or in the same wings. You saw the size of that house. If you were in a different floor, a different wing, you were eighty five miles away, and there'd be secret passages that went from Daddy Biltmore's bedroom that would wind their sneaky way down to that. Lowly visiting now solo husband's bedroom, and meanwhile, I guess their wives were playing lesbian bowling in the bowling alley. I don't know, but there was all kinds of gay shit going on at Biltmore House. All right, huh? All right. Uh, so there's a joke. What a grand idea! There's an in joke in there when they have that bomb rolled at them. We must be near a bowling alley. They were. Yeah. Biltmore House has its own bowling alley. Yay! Hey. And that's why everything's going to work when I tell you how I'm going to gay the fuck out of this movie. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, I warned you. That was just the tip of the iceberg. Because not only are, are Don Knotts and Tim Conway a longtime married couple, everybody in that goddamn manner is queer. Queer, 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 queer. Everybody but Phyllis. <laughs> My first duty was to Lady and Lord Marley. Then Phyllis came. And everything changed. <laughs> I don't know. I can see Phyllis, you know. Okay, no, no, you gotta listen. You gotta hear this out because listen, like, like this is. Yeah, she she'd come on to a lesbian if there's money involved. Okay, listen, Phyllis grew up liking a different kind of slot, the slot machine. (laughs) And she was a disappointment to everybody. That's why Lady Morley's so pissed. She's like, I can't believe our daughter's not a lesbian. (laughs) You don't do anything (laughs) right. She's so boringly heterosexual. And she's also cranky because, like, she hired she hired nanny. Nanny's supposed to be staying on to take care of. Lady Morley, but instead, there's all kinds. Of, she's taking care of everybody else in the damn house, which clearly she does. She rules that house with right. 
But that's why Lady Morley's so cranky all the time. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, so she's actually, she, Phyllis wants that money to get out of there and finally get some dick for change. <laughs> and not any good options there. No, plus they're all occupado. They're all occupado in somebody else but her. <laughs> like, look, we hired Hilda for you. And she's like, I don't want Hilda. <laughs> I want a one-armed bandit with a big dick and a huge slot. And that's why at the end of the movie, Ka-ching. when they're taking her off, when they when she's t- being taken off, to, uh, she's arrested, and Don Knotts yells at her. Killer! Slot machine freak! Breeder! <laughs> that was amazing. A breeder. Heterosexual! I laughed my ass off of that. Killer! Slot machine <laughs> freak! Just... Are you surprised that he had his own torture chamber? Mm-hmm. Nope, that's kind of on brand for old British guys. Oh, it's completely on brand, you know, and all that moaning and groaning would keep fucking Phyllis out of there because she'd be like, man. <laughs> <laughs> that man does have a secret. Papa, papa. <laughs> she was no fun. And plus, I just have to say, if you didn't think the private eye starring Don Knotts and Tim Conroy wasn't gay, how many times in this film do we find a dead body, a male dead body, and at some point their legs go right up over the head? <laughs> That is true. That is true. When Don Knotts fell into that trap in the dungeon with the little axes, oh. we got to see Don Knotts with his legs in the air. My life is complete now. I can die. Got to see a little Mr. Furley taint there. I'm telling you, that was a playroom. That was a, they, didn't understand, they didn't have slings yet. They had to make do with what they had. <laughs> Put you on an old chair there and knock it over. You get well. You you, you got to make two back in the old days. The, 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 there was the a British. war. There was a war going on. Yeah. Well, they, they had the, the, the British end up. Keeping a stiff upper lip. And Trey, if you want to talk about things not making sense about this movie, the title doesn't make sense because they're not private eyes. No, good point. No, they're not. They're sent by the yard. They're, they're, no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> Even Chico the Bird knows that this is a great big lie. So that's the movie. I think we've done it. Yeah. It, it, Chico's like, shut up. Stop talking. It's worth it for Don <laughs> watching Don Nonsense. Sorry, what, Trey? Chico, come here. Chico, come here. I don't do camera work anymore. No, no. Not obedient. I'm sorry. I so I don't believe there's a You're sad contract for this for this encounter. I only work <laughs> union. I'm no scab. Chico's no scrub and no scab. Exactly. One sec. Let me get him. It's okay. I'll talk with Trey, but I, the movie for what it is, I was dreading another Saturday the 14th situation. Mm-hmm. When you come back and try to watch it, it's just unwatchable. Oh. I I couldn't make it through that. That was you know what got me in Saturday the Fourth. Okay, Trey comes. I mean, Doug comes back for the what? worst parts. The part he was atta- he was attacking the guests. Sorry about that. <laughs> There's better options than you. Yeah. <laughs> You saw me satisfied. She goes upset about the pigeon parts. Well, as he well should be. They didn't even get credited. I know, right? With Dame Judy Jones as the pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) She can act anything. All the pigeons. She was all the pigeons. With multiple roles and you never recognize her. (laughs) (laughs) That's talent. But I I was just telling Trey that I was dreading a situation. There's another spoof movie that always ran on HBO called Saturday the 14th with Richard Benjamin. Which I, used, I definitely saw that. Which I used to watch a million times back in the day. I tried to watch it recently. It's unwatchable. Mm. This is not that. It's this so is bad. totally watchable. As I think somebody described it to me, they're like, it's corny, but it's harmless. 
Yeah. Yes. Because there's a scene in, Karen, in Saturday the 14th trailer where I turned it off this time. It's one of the key scenes. It was in the trailer. It was in the, all, all the commercials. It's when the daughter is taking the bath on that. Yes. She's yeah. a child. And she was on, she was on mm-hmm. Give Me a Break. She was the eldest daughter on Give Me a Break. So she's like 13, 14. Yeah. And we see her take everything off. Like she's down in her underwear. Like we're watching a 14-year-old girl in her underwear in a PG movie. This is fucked up. And it's luridly shot like a horror right. movie. That ain't right. We didn't yeah. do that here. Okay, but he did other yeah. things. But <laughs> it was to adults who were in on the joke. Right. Or who made a career out of it. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Doug. Yes. I mentioned that you're doing Bible, the musical. That's not the name of it, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Esther in the Spotlight. Um, it's Manhattan Transfer Harmonies and multiple characters and very Jewish. So, check, check, check. Doug, Doug, Doug. Um, and I also play it's the first half of the Bible. Okay, uh, right. It's about Esther, but it's also uh, Esther rolls from Good Times. <laughs> I was going to say es- Esther Getty, but wrong, <laughs> wrong, Doug. No gay points for you. No quiche. No quiche. No cheesecake. It's still not Esther. It's Myra Gardner. No, um, but one of the roles that I play is a uh, a maiden petitioning for the king. Is a who? Um, oh, a man. A maiden. Petitioning to be queen. Acting. A perfect role. Except for that maiden it's, part. Are they going to buy the horseback riding story, Doug? <laughs> it, it's wonderful. It's the, uh, like, my great-grandmother was a virgin, my grandmother was a virgin, and my mother was a virgin. how that happen? Immaculate deception. <laughs> That's book two. It's foreshadowing. Okay. <laughs> so much fun. I thought you people cut off the foreshadows. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, if my people, they do. <laughs> but now people are complaining about it. <laughs> Everybody wants to know what's going to happen at the ending. <laughs> the other gig is a, a YouTube series called uh, The Jerry Duncan Show, where I play a shock jock from Wasilla, Alaska. We're shooting the first episode in January. A what? Oh, a shock jock. Yeah. I thought you said a shop jock. A shock jock. I thought you said a shop jock. I'm going, what is that? I'm playing a shop fact from uh, Wasilla, Alaska. (laughs) Doug Shapiro sucked convincingly. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been reading my Tinder profile? No, I know you. (laughs) (laughs) A boy's got to get a job in this town somehow. (laughs) You got to have a gimmick. It's a lot of nights at Hammy's yeah. to and pay Trey, for the Tinder subscription. Trey, what's going on with you? How are you? What you got going on? Anything good? What's happening for the holidays? Um, all the family's gone, so we're staying home. So we're gonna have a nice drama-free Christmas with the puppies. The puppies, so fuzzy. A gay couple in Houston, Texas, having found murdered each other this holiday yeah. season. <laughs> the dogs ate them. Actually, and it was 80 degrees today, so I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Actually, it was 50 degrees here. It wasn't bad. Please yep. um, describe the shorts and the T-shirt. Mm. Are they handy? Are they nearby? Uh. They're right here under my Slumber Party Massacre poster. Mm. Yeah, I see that over there. I see that quality stuff. I have a question for you, Trey. It's a very important question. Who the fuck is watching the store right now? I think Jack is. Jack is not one of my employees. Who the fuck is watching? This? Did you leave the store and charge to Maya Murphy? Maya, Are you crazy? Maya. Maya. Maya oh my God. Got, no, Maya can lock it down. It's going to be a comic book store when we get back. It's just going to be all like Marvel Universe shit and bisexual CDs for sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in, in the streets of any town USA. It's very quiet. 
Nothing ever happened. Ah, conductor, s- conductor, I seem to have missed my train. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Clearly, you're not taking care of your Patreon, of your Patreon subscription, and listening, uh, listening to Trey and I on Damn You, Uncle Lewis, every month, <laughs> where I own a shop, my very curious curio shop, and they're my employees, or I'm their employee. I really don't know. <laughs> we're all in prison. It's it's all Kafkaesque trap. Hot, and we're all ruled over by the Lord Roby. Don't get him started. Don't ask questions, Doug. Don't ask questions. Don't ask who she is. Don't ask who she is. We'll be here all night. We got to wrap these things up. You have guests. You have guests. (laughs) Where the fuck is he? He's so fucking. He's been. He's doing what online with who? That's disgusting. But is is Flem in the store? Flem is everywhere. I miss Flem. I know. I know. I I I want I want Flem's Christmas album. It's pretty much the Crypt Keeper's Christmas album that he just stole. Mark, and re- how the bell shit in my mouth. I know, I miss. Dag the halls with parts of Charlie. Fa la 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 la. That's stolen. I didn't write that. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Done. Uh-huh. All right. So I think that's going to wrap things up here uh, for this part of the Mildly Inappropriate Holiday Special. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Trey. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for bringing that gang back together. It's like old times. It's hard to say fun. goodbye, my love. It's like the Alba reunion. We're like, this sounded good on paper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How long is our tour? Are you? Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> right, thank you both very much. Have a very happy holiday season and see you next time. Love you, mean it. Yeah, you don't, though. Hooray! Wassail for everybody. So, don't you go anywhere, because this holiday party is not over yet. So... Before we continue, though, I do want to say thank you once again to my very special, fabulous guests, Doug Shapiro and Trey Dean. And hey, if you can't get enough of Doug, you should head on over to www.dougshapiro.com and you can find out everything you ever wanted to know about Doug Shapiro, including where he's appearing next and what his projects are and all those fabulous things. And and if you have fallen in love with the smooth, sexy sounds of Trey Dean, you should probably become a patron and listen to him every month on Dammy Wonka Lewis, the Friday the 13th, the series retrospective podcast. And you can do that by visiting www.patreon.com slash Scream Queens. $5 a month unlocks all that bonus delicious content. Oh, yeah. So this is the mildly inappropriate holiday party, but it would be highly inappropriate if I did not celebrate a certain holiday that almost got neglected this year. Yeah. What, what, what holiday are we missing? Well, you know, it's the holiday season, everybody. So, you know, you got Christmas, obviously. You got New Year's. You got... Hanukkah, we've got Kwanzaa, we've got the solstice, we've got all kinds of celebrations going on, but I almost got through 2021 without celebrating the most important holiday of all, the Blessed Festival of Stingy. Because you see, the Stingy happened during November when I wasn't doing shows, so I wasn't able to share that great moment of Stingy. When the Stingy kicked on. And I know I would never hear the end of it if I didn't at least have one episode this year in which I just played the Stingy over and over until you got so sick of hearing about Stingy that you'd never want to hear the Stingy ever again until the next year. If you're new to the show, you're probably wondering, what the hell is going on? Okay, listen, this is a tradition that spawned out of absolute stupidity and it's held up for the past 12 years. And I'm not going to break the tradition now. See, I live in an apartment with 
steam heat as heating. And if you don't know, steam heat makes a heck of a lot of noise. And in those early years when I had a different kind of a microphone, I was concerned about the steam heat getting picked up. And people would be wondering, what the hell is going on in there? Is there a spooky ghost to see if somebody held captive? Is it the Mar- is it Marley's ghost? No, it's just the and now it's become a thing. It's become a thing. Most people out there don't even know what is from, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it's part of us now. It's part of you. It's all up inside you. It's all around you. Keeps you warm, makes the spirit bright. And here's the other thing. I usually only play the clip. The very first time that the turns on for the winter. But like I said, that happened back in November. And like I said earlier, all of November shows have been recorded back in October. But we didn't have any. But we've been having a little bit of a heat wave this week in New York, probably because of all the tornadoes and weird weather going on in the Midwest. So it's been like 60 degrees, 70 degrees. There's been no reason for the to be on. But it's chilly tonight. And while I was editing, all of a sudden I heard the clink, clank, clink, clank of the It's almost like the heavens reminded me that Needs to be played this year, Patrick. And, and especially this episode, because Doug Shapiro's on this episode. And if anybody's going to appreciate the part of the show, it's Doug Shapiro. Because I can guarantee you that every time Doug Shapiro hears that Doug Shapiro's doing the choreography. And I bet that Doug is really tired of doing the choreography. His mouth's probably really dry from the hissing, you know, imitating the and his fingers probably getting really tired from pointing at his butt. That's the choreography. Of course. But still, an opportunity to do musical theater when nobody's looking is something that Doug Shapiro would be really mad at. So Doug Shapiro, let's say one more time for Doug Shapiro. That's for you, Doug. Please join with me in this absolute celebration of stupidity as we celebrate before the ball drops and the party ends. So if any of you are left listening, (laughs) I'd like to thank my partners over at Squadcast. Squadcast, if you're a podcaster and not using Squadcast, what is your issue? Sure, you can use Zoom for free. Sure, you can use Skype for free. But the sound quality is just never going to be as good as it is over at Squadcast. I mean, now they've even introduced Dolby Sound, Dolby Mastering. It can be included in your bass price. There's an experimental Dolby thing that they're using on us for free. Come be an audio guinea pig at Squadcast. It's fabulous. And you can get a seven-day free trial by going to www.screamqueens.com squadcast. Give yourself a present this holiday season. Give your listeners a present this holiday season because... Really, there's no excuse for shitty sound on your remote recordings. There's just not, not anymore. Why not? Because of Squadcast, you. Because of Squadcast, silly. So, because there's five Fridays in December this year, you are going to get another episode, I hope, before 2022 rings in. I am scheduled to do an episode with the boys from 
Death Drop Gorgeous. They're coming back, and they're going to talk about the 1966 really campy gay sci-fi film, Queen of Blood. I did a mini episode on it a while ago, but it was just me. Now, I want to drag three more queens in on it so we can really dig into how absolutely iconically fabulously gay this movie is. The thing is, they had a canceled session that I had with them earlier this week. There's some health scares there, so uh, we're playing it by ear. So hopefully, if everything's cool with them, everything's going to be cool with another episode. If not, I'm going to be taking the rest of the year off. Hey, I deserve a holiday too, right? But hey, if they're feeling good, then we'll be all up in your ear holes. So I will keep you posted in the places where you get posted and stuff like that. Well, where would those places be, Patrick? Well, I'll tell you. It's really easy. If you want to contact me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Scream Queens with a Z, like Liza, one word. And if you're having troubles finding it, uh, it's www.facebook.com slash screamqueens. Or you can find me on Instagram at screamqueenspodcast. And if you've been having trouble keeping up with all the URLs that I've been throwing at you for the past couple of minutes, no worries. They're all right there in your show notes, right there on your listening device. You know where I describe what's going on in the episode? Scroll to the bottom. Everything I've mentioned in the show will be there for you to click on. So click on them. And hey, if it's your first time here, I hope you've had a fabulous time. And if you did have a fabulous time, go to whatever app you're listening to us on right now and hit that follow button or the subscribe button or the little plus plus button. That'll keep you posted every time there's a new episode. So you will never miss a single second of this Scream Queen shenanigans. If you enjoyed yourself this episode, please share it with your friends. If you didn't have a good time, share it with your enemies. And you know, if you want to help out the show, what's the best Christmas present you can get me? You can write me a review. You can go to iTunes, you can go to CastBox, you can go to Podchaser, you can go to Stitcher, I think, does reviews now. I'm not sure, but, you know, there's so many. Any place that you listen to your podcast, please write us a review. It would mean a heck of a whole lot to me and to Flem. Because you don't want a Christmas present from him. Trust me. Trust me. You already know what it is. Okay? Okay. So, until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a more fabulously creepy place. By never, ever forgetting the Scream Queen's golden rule. Please say it with me, children. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Wear a fucking mask. Wash your fucking hands. Keep your fucking distance. Get the fucking shot if you can. And never forget for a second how much I love you. Happy holidays! the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs>